You're listening to What She Said Podcast with Shanae Hall. Welcome to this episode of What She Said. I'm your host, Shanae Hall. I got my mama, Rhonda Frost, in the building. And this week, for the first time ever, we're kind of stepping outside of our box of normal conversation and enlightening our audience even further about things that, again, we don't know about. And if we don't have the conversation, how will we ever learn? So my guests today are Carlos and Marco. They are a same-sex couple, very attractive same-sex couple, that are gonna educate us on just all the things that we wanna know, everything from growing up in the household of religious parents, becoming extremely educated um, Black people, Black men, and then still having to go down this path of unknown for the rest of us and have the world looking in and judging and mm-hmm. having questions and wondering. And so they're going to enlighten us. And I'm sure it's going to be a quite interesting conversation. I hope they don't have no no parameters around questions because I got questions. So I, I'm more open than Marco, but you know, we'll be all right. <laughs> He's, he's a more conservative out of the two of us. <laughs> well, there's always a conservative or right. more conservative out of every couple. So we can go in and get started because Marco is still upstairs in his Zoom meeting, right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll go on and get started with a you, Carlos. Tell okay. me a little bit about your educational background because I heard both of you guys are highly <clears throat> I started, uh, I graduated from Indiana University of Pennsylvania um, in 2000. I'm actually the son of a college professor. Um, so that was inevitable that I was going to get my degree. Um, I have a bachelor's in political science um, with a, a, a focus on international studies. So I have a master's in secondary social science education uh, teaching from American University. And I am hopefully in December um, graduating um, with my doctorate in educational administration and leadership. Um, right now I'm going through the dissertation, hell phase <laughs> fantastic congratulations that's thank you awesome. and that is amazing yes. okay so let me go on ahead and get started with your background how was it because i don't know if you've watched the show but we've had pastors on we've had people that minister to people about and we've talked about polygamy polygyny um all these other elements of you know heterosexual relationships but yeah. we really haven't delved into same-sex relationships which is right. you know very um alive and prevalent in our communities now it's not like what it was when i grew up even in the 90s where you didn't really talk about it it wasn't really acceptable it was kind of like hush hush right. even if your friend was gay you didn't talk about it now it's kind of right. like yeah my homeboy gay and we all went out to get drinks you know so the energy is different behind it how was that for you growing up in a household with religious parents and then having to come out at some point in time and say, hey, this is how I believe and this right. is how I live. So that's an interesting story. And, and, I, and I'm not going to necessarily say I came out. I'm going to say I was forced out by my mother. Um, and so let me kind of back up. So now in hindsight, as an adult, um, I see things a little differently, right? So I did grow up in an evangelical household. Um, and, you know, the kind where, you know, we didn't listen to any secular music, right? On Halloween, we were at church for um, costume night or dress up night or something. And and I and I, I remember, God, to this day, I was talking to a friend about this, staring out the window because the neighbors across the street celebrated Halloween big. And I remember the mom would always be on the porch and she would give out candy. And I would like stare out the window, like, you know, the whole time 
Um, because I think like church night was always kind of like a different night and stare out the window and you know, wish I could do it. The ironic thing is that now myself along with my three siblings, they all take their children trick-or-treating, they all all the things we couldn't do, they all do with their kids. And my parents are cool. My parents have definitely super livened up. Uh, you know, they're they're like the liberal churchy people, you know what I mean? But still, you know, my mother, you know, now these days she'll enjoy a glass of rose with me. So things have changed, right? Um, but Looking back, my father has eight brothers and three of his brothers um, are gay. Now, two of them, two of them, um, their heyday was the 80s, right? And so unfortunately and sadly, they both um, died of AIDS, actual AIDS, right? They were part of the, the, the deaths, the millions of deaths, you know, in the, in the AIDS crisis, right? And so, come on, Marco. And so, um, and then my, my dad's youngest brother um, is, is one of the ones, you know, he's still alive, one of the ones I contribute with helping me with my process, right? And so when I think about it, even one of my dad's brothers was transgender, transgender woman. And I used to always kind of, you know, like, you know, Uncle Randy kind of dressed kind of feminine. And, you know, we would be in Uncle Randy's room, like when we would visit, because my dad, no matter what, he always had mad love for his brothers. And so it wasn't even like a, you know, with the gay thing, the funny thing, even the transgender thing. I think to myself, oh, wow, how unique am I to have grown up with a transgender aunt, you know, right? And didn't even know it. And, you know, we would go in her room and I would see, uh, you know, pictures on the wall and more effeminate, you know, pictures. And I remember my sister and I, we kind of like chuckled a little bit like, oh, what is that, you know? And then now when I think about it also, um, Randy, and I'm going to say Uncle Randy because we just called him Uncle Randy, but, you know, I'm trying to use the correct pronouns. Um, would always have like a gentleman friend that would come over towards the end of the evening. A gentleman friend would always be kind of a little rough around the edges, you know what I mean? Kind of what we would call like trade these days. You know, a dude that, you know, is passable during the day. You never know that they would mess around. You guys might look at it as like DL, but a DL dude could be a business type dude. A DL dude could be any dude. Trade is more like a dude that's off the street that you would never, ever guess, right? Um, but they still mess with um, men, right? And so what happened is, um, so growing up like that, it was never really spoke about, right? I went to, I can't see your hair. All right. I was in college and my mother being the wife of, you know, a professor and, um, and not that many black professors, you know, on campus. Um, she was, she's a socialite, right? So she's very social. And we were at this <laughs> Miss Black IUP event. So it was the pageant, you know, but they had the Miss Black one, right? And I was talking to this young man. I was one of people who was friends with everybody, whether you were a punk rock dude, a, a hip hop dude, or whatever. I was, I was always been kind of, uh, been had the ability to easily navigate between circles, right? And so this person, I won't say their name, we're still friends. Um, you know, a feminine person. And I remember my mother calling me, and she was like, you know, hey, Carlos, you know, so and so is gay. And I was like, okay. And she was like, so are you? I was like, no, mom, friends with everybody. You know, blah blah da da da. So she's like, okay, you know, it's cool. You know, if you if, if it ever comes like that, you want to tell me I'm there for you, blah, 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 da, da, da. She asked me, I think, like three or four more occasions. How old were you when she was asking? These I questions? was sophomore in college. So I was 19, I guess. Okay. Um, 19, yeah, 19. Um, this was like fall of my sophomore year. So yeah, I was 19. And <laughs> she called me on the right day and she asked me again. And I was like, yes, I am. And what? Right. 
oh, she carried on. She started crying, blah, blah. It's the first time ever that my mother um, hung up on me because I got a little indignant on the phone. You know what I mean? But I, at that point, I was like, yes. And what about it? Deal with it. And that whole thing where she acted like it was OK, I'm there for you went away. And she went to mother tears. And then she, she started saying things like, oh, but you're too attractive to be gay. Right. And I told my mother, I said, the finest dudes you see are gay because they take care of themselves. Right. I mean, y'all can dispute me, but I'm, it's, I said it. And so, and so I was like, you know, um, and so I was like, so don't say, you know, you're too attractive to be gay. I was like, the majority of most attractive men are gay because they take groom themselves well, you know. And so we went to this whole thing and we didn't talk for a while, right? And it was really deep. And my dad, being a professional that he is, he said, Carlos, your mother has told me about your homosexuality and I would like to set up a meeting with you and it will last one hour. When I tell you he came on time and at the end of that hour was done, he expressed his thoughts, he shared with me different things. And he, he went from, you know, he went from a biblical perspective a little bit in there, but it wasn't tough at all. And, and he was like, by the way, you know, I knew your mother's in denial. I knew. So what happened was when I was about 11, 12, maybe 10, 11, 12, my uncle, the youngest brother told my dad, Carlos is probably going to come out one day and be prepared for it. So he said he had been prepared because my uncle had forewarned him. He said, your mother was in denial. He said, your uncle already told me this day was going to come. So I was ready for it. Right. And so that's how we um, kind of got past that. And then it became for years something we just didn't discuss. Right. right? We talked about it. We were all cool. I'm close to the family, but I didn't bring it up. They didn't bring it. It was don't ask, don't tell. Right. Right. And, and you know, so that's how that was my coming out story, I guess you could say, or being forced out because it was not, I don't feel like in any way that it was really all of my own doing. It was really out of my mother harassing me about it. And, and so at this point now, I'm like, you already knew. You just wanted me to say it, you know? Um, but then she was really hoping I didn't say it. So we were telling that story. So I don't know if you want Marco, if you're welcome, Marco, since yes. you're coming in a little late. How are you? I'm doing well. Sorry that I was stuck in class on camera. So I had <laughs> yeah, that's to. That's what he was saying. So um, he went through his educational background. I don't know if you want to go through uh, yours briefly and then kind of tell us basically the same, you know, how it got to the point where you were comfortable enough with just saying, hey, this is who I am and this is where I'm at. Um, well, my, my educational background was, you told like the schools you went bachelor's, to. Bachelor's, master's. My bachelor's was at um, Benedict College. It was actually in... Um, mass communications with the concentration in television broadcasting. So I went to school to be a news reporter, television personality, quote unquote. Um, my master's is actually in religious studies and divinity. So I have an MDiv from? From Howard okay. University, HU. Okay. No, the only, <laughs> I'm just joking. And then my, my future, um, soon to be actually, I will say um, doctorate is from Bowie in education, leadership and administration. Um, I'm at Bowie too. I didn't say the university. And we both actually in the same program at Bowie. Oh, fantastic. Uh, very ironic. Very ironic, but it happened. Um, he was first. Um, I applied to a, doctor, a doctoral program first, though. I'll keep that real. <laughs> but I ended up going to Bowie after I encouraged him to apply. Did you say that part? No, right. I didn't know that part. Right. So I encouraged him to go first, and then I followed pursuit afterwards. But my coming out actually um, never really occurred, <laughs> to be honest with you. I was outed by this one on Facebook, and he still doesn't um, admit it, but I'm, I'm very private. I'm, very, <laughs> I'm, I'm somewhat conservative, if, if you may. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm originally from South Carolina. Um, I'm actually licensed on, and, and ordained. I'm actually on an ordained minister. And I okay. don't know that. Um, I never liked the title part because too much just comes with it. Right, um, right. I was licensed at 19 and I was ordained at 21. I was engaged to a, female, a woman to be married. My wedding was supposed to be June 2001. I remember wow. all the details, but I just woke hey, up. Hey, you know you are throwing me all off right now. My whole yeah. question is like shot. Now, wait, what? Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people don't know my true, my true, true story. I'm very protective of it, um, because it means a lot to me. But I made a, I made a decision to not take on the traditional life because I didn't want to take a woman through devastation. And just waking up one day and not being able to explain to my family, you know, why I wasn't man enough to just be straight up about who I was and what I was dealing with. And yeah. my upbringing in South Carolina had a lot to do with that. So I never really, really outed. You didn't have a choice in South Carolina. I mean, it was a lot of what we did. We were so, I was very naive in a lot of areas. And I didn't accept certain things until I came to the level of understanding. And it took me a while to understand that who I am and what I am and how I feel was not, I guess I can say death, you know, to God, quote unquote, and in my spirituality. I had someone who was very, very, very close to me. I respect it more than anything in life. You know, she's she's passed now. She's, you know, no longer with us. But she said to me once, not even knowing it, before I even acknowledged what I was going through. She said, oh, you know, gay people, you don't go down that road because you're doomed. And those words just pierced me. Like I truly blew up, I thought that I was doomed. And in ministry, I just never wanted to stand in the pulpit and be the reason why someone walked away, you know, from God. So I just made an, I just made a, a conscious effort that I would inspire people and push them as best as I could through another vocation rather than my, mainstream pulpit. Um, because I couldn't give people this image they wanted in order to hear me. So, you know, hence is I feel like God opened doors for me to do inspirational, inspirational, you know, vlogging and to be a teacher and to even pursue other areas of being able to inspire and motivate people. So I really latched on to motivational speaking as like my outlet of not being the traditional person. So my outing, my out moment came when my mom was like, oh, that's just a phase, you know, don't worry about it. I have a half brother who's actually trans now, um, which is a whole nother, I have a lot going on, I know. But I have a, a, a half brother who's trans and he just recently, you know, made this decision. And even I, in the midst of being who I am, had some discriminatory moments in it. Cause I know you as my brother, you know, and you're not gonna force me to try to figure out at this age who this other person is we got sisters we got nieces and i got to explain to them that you get to walk in a room and say that you're a woman but you don't have the same woman issues among you don't have this you just don't get to walk in and do that and so he doesn't agree with my approach with it but i literally had that mentality and i had to kind of grow from that and i didn't i never realized that i was doing to my brother what the world did to me, wow. you know, just with a different face. So I just had some cleaning up to do. I really, really had some really, really, really. And that's it, the whole piece as well that people don't understand within the community that, 
you know, there's a lot of gay people that don't accept bisexuality. No. They think you just can't make a choice, right? And then there's the gay people who have issues with trans, right? I have quite a few gay folks who struggle with it. And so, and then you got the whole racism, even within the gay community. So it's all these yeah. different aspects, you know what I mean? Like only white gay parties, only black gay parties, right? Or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's deeper than a lot of people really realize. There's further divisions, right? And then even amongst the black gays, you have the gays like us who are educated and have our own things. And then you have the gays that want to fight and are considered ghetto, right? And they don't mess with each other. And so that's the whole nother. It's just, it's just, thing. it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's many stigmas that are aligned to what people label as coming out. It's because once you make that decision in the black community, we oftentimes laugh about this, you know, any other race or allow a black man to go dibble and dabble, but a black woman says, there's no way possible that I'm ever gonna forget that part. And I love you, boo-boo, you know, blah, 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 and all this, but not, in, you know, not personally in my, and we had to just own that. And so I, I literally own mine from a black woman's acceptance perspective. Like a black woman is not gonna let you forget, she's not gonna forget about that, you know? Right, right, right. Not, Unless she is, in some cases, as we say, a lesbian, who has decided, you know what? I don't I did it, you did it, I'm all right with that. So it's very, very hard. So it kind of forces you, if I may, and he may differ, it kind of forces you to accept if you're gonna live a life, you've literally just got to live it gay. Because once as a black man you step out there, it's pretty much it's, it's, it's really, really, really difficult to you know bring it back in. You can't unforget what you learned. And so that's the difficult part. So my coming out was pretty much just to my sister and my mom, and my brother, and it's just a kind of subliminal. Oh, you know, we, we know who Carlos is, but they've never really, really holistically said, we accept you as a gay man. They've never done it. And I've never forced it on them, to be honest with you. Okay. So how did you feel? And like I said, I don't know if you caught, but let me just kind of, bring it full circle. So what we do is we'll have a topic and like our other topics have been polygamy or polygyny or whatever. And we reference it back to the Bible. And since you're highly educated in that space, right? How, how do you feel about what the Bible says about gay relationships and gay marriage and, and male on male or female on female? Cause it, act, it does speak to it. And if mm -hmm. you're are what you say you are, if you read the, what you read, how do you perceive that information from the Bible? So can I ask this, is a lot of your audience evangelical type people? No, we have different audience. Like I said, we okay. talk about all kinds of different things. I don't know. Like I said, we've okay. had everybody from TI, Sacred Entertainer. Uh, gotcha. Okay. All right. All like right. We, but the, we did like a series. We did a three-part oh. series on polygamy because yes. I was like, I can't wrap my mind around the sharing right. part. Like how right. we going to be sharing and it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And we always referenced it back to the Bible because I'm like, y'all talking about this is a God thing. You need to show me the way, show me, don't, yeah. don't, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm going to use the same thing with you because it was actually brought up, you know? And, and again, people talk about it all the time as far as being gay and what the Bible says about homosexuality or being an adulterer or being, you know what I'm saying? Like we hold everybody accountable. So you out there cheating on your wife, but you talking about you more religious than anybody else. Like, right. Nobody get a pass, not here. So right. I'm asking you, because you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you feel reading those words and then turning around and this is your lifestyle and this is who you are. No apologies needed. You know what I'm saying? This is who you are. But how does that make you feel? Um, I felt lost the majority of my life. I'm going to be real with you. 
because I led my life with spirituality and the Bible, you know, like 100%, no question it, no nothing. And then I went to divinity and of course, you know, what divinity does, it rips, <laughs> it rips it from a, a historical perspective and to so many dimensions that you just literally just feel like, okay, Lord, when I walk out of this, I just, I'm just grateful to just know that I just believe in you. That's all I need. So I literally, um, my spirituality led the forefront of who I am and what I believe. So I didn't even acknowledge, like here I am flesh and blood human. And I wouldn't even acknowledge the other side because of my, you know, my belief and of course my faith in the Bible. And I still believe in it. But I also believe that after many years of seeking God and seeking God and seeking God, the only thing that came to me was this, don't let anything separate you from my love. I'll never forget that. And in that is what gave me peace. The same way that I read the Bible and it talked about adulterers. And I, well, I was never a person that read the Bible looking for other people's issues. I'm not that guy. But people would go and look for my issue. And they right. would call out homosexuality like it was just the balance. The only thing in the I was like, well, girl, how did I end up with the, with the, with the head honcho sin? You know, <laughs> I fasted, <laughs> prayed. Girl, you already know what we go through. Speaking in tongue, getting it out. Yes. I'm deep, I'm deep every day. I'm speaking. I'm every after I did all the charades and the shenanigans, the Lord said, Don't let anything separate you from me. And I literally had to lean on that. That if I profess and I believe who he is within my heart, that no matter what I struggle with, no matter what I struggle with, even to the death, that he's there and he loves me in spite of. So my heart had to be just joined on loving people, treating people right spreading the good news of who Jesus is, even when you don't have understanding, even when you don't know how to get out of it and fix it. I'm telling you, I threatened to leave this one, break up, get a wife. I did everything, but even in getting a wife, I'm going to destroy her. I'm going to bring people under a lot of mess and innocent kids. And yes, I got the face and the look and the marriage and it looks the part. I'm, I can, I'm in television. I know how to give you the image. But at the end of the day, I was a broken vessel that was not of good of anybody, of use to anybody, not even standing in the pulpit speaking about it because I wasn't true to me. Oh, so I awesome. really, really believe in living for real and being true with who you are and then trusting only in God's judgment that even after it's all said and done, if you just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and you live and truly live in, in, in the faith of knowing that he will never leave you or forsake you, then you can separate yourself from the opinion of, of, of mankind and just use what you can to make a difference in the world and just be loved in spite of your sexuality. Because in the, the day when you burnt crisp, none of this matters. It's the heart of who you are and what you did with what you got. And I use my quote unquote struggle as a way to make certain that the next one that's going through it doesn't feel abandoned, isolated, and worthless. I literally felt worthless for the majority of my life. And that's just being honest. Because when you set your affections on, you know, knowing the Bible and really, really, not necessarily the Bible, but listening to what people say and interpret through the Bible, their, their rendition of it. If you don't have these emotions and feelings, it's very easy to say, yes, you should be ashamed of yourself, get rid of it, do whatever. But if I told you to, to not desire a man, don't you desire a man? I mean, you turn it off. Don't desire nobody. That is very difficult 
And that's what it happens when you tell, because whether I'm physical or not, sexually, intimately, the emotions are still there. So I was torn and broken, like, okay, God, I'm not even with the man. I'm not even practicing the act of, and it's still there. So am I not confessing hard enough? Am I not fasting enough? Am I, what am I not doing? And right. it, no matter what I peeled off, how many layers, it's still, I was still there. You know, I'm still there. And not necessarily my sexuality, but the person Marco was still there, who just happens to be and like men. So it is <laughs> what it is. And that's just how I was able to get through it. That's uh, First off, your testimony is amazing. Let me just start by saying that. And I appreciate you being so open and honest because I have gay friends and I have these conversations with straight friends. And a lot of times people that know how to express or can communicate don't out of fear or don't want to be embarrassed or whatever it is. So for you to come out and just really just tell your story, um, I, I greatly appreciate it. And I felt it, you know, I felt it like, damn, you know. I've never shared, this is the first time I've ever publicly shared this story for the record. And well, I've been for years. This is the first time I've ever shared it. And especially wow. through this volume, I mean, through this medium. But I'm just, I'm in a place to where now, I know, I believe in my heart that when I close my eyes on this side, that Jesus will meet me on the other side and not just say, oh, look into heaven and get a glimpse because you're on your way out of here. <laughs> but he'll say, come on in. So I'm really, I'm really, really confident in that, in, in who I am now, finally. And it took me a long time. It took That's me a long a blessing, time. Because shit, straight, not straight, it's hard to get to the place where you're comfortable in your own skin. There's a lot right. of people out here trying to transform, metify, right. <laughs> transform into something to be something that they're not because they don't right. want their own skin. Right. Right. So you're right. not uh, the only one. Now, I do have a um, question because me and my friend had this huge blow-up argument about people being born gay. And I was like, I believe that people can be born a, a certain way. Like you're, you don't wake up and say, hey, I want to be a heterosexual. Hey. Right. Like, and he was like, there's no scientific evidence, da, 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 da. So talking to two gay men, I want to ask from the horse's mouth. So me and, me and this straight dude ain't sitting there arguing over what we think people are. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that you were born gay or was it things that you saw externally that made you want to live a different lifestyle? So I'm going to answer this one. <clears throat> I 100% believe that you're born gay. And let me tell you this. And I want to be clear for all the audience. If I had a choice, I would not choose to be gay. Why would I choose to be discriminated against? Why would I choose all this heartache? Why would I choose hiding? I wouldn't. I would choose the wife, the 2.5 kids and the picket fence like my mama wanted. I'm not gonna choose a life of purposely, you know, going through this, right? So it wasn't a choice. What I did choose was to live my authentic life, right? I use this example. You ever seen a little boy, girl, little boy, two, three, ridiculously feminine right or ridiculously you know they have no concept of sexuality at that age right. a cousin had a cousin five she was as butch as could be one did all the boy stuff blah blah i'm just using extreme examples or, I, yes i can and so she was as she was right she had a lot of masculine energy okay. right as as a as a five-year-old right and she you know she, she came out eventually and stuff but at that age they have no 
sexual knowing, no knowledge, no this and that. They're just being who they are, I right? For your question, right. I ain't gonna lie. Right, and so, and those are kind of my <laughs> examples of like, so what do you say for that, right? And so I do believe it because I do yeah. believe the majority of people I've talked to, majority of my friends, and, and I have a lot, that have said that really if there was a choice, you know, we wouldn't choose it. And so I think that's silly. I do think that a lot of people try to make excuses, right? So I was at the barbershop earlier today and the barber was telling me about, oh, this girl came in and said, oh, if my daddy was in my life, I wouldn't be a lesbian. And we just kind of chuckled about it. Like how ridiculous, because you're trying to find scapegoats, right. right? For your sexuality, but that's silly. There's plenty of people that have two loving parents, loving family, right? Nothing ever happened. They had everything to them. They're still gay. So that has nothing to do with it, right? And so I, I truly, and I, and I had explained this to my dad, you know, if I had to make a decision, I wouldn't have. I would want to be just like everybody else, blend in and, and live the dream, right? But but that it wasn't my choice. I, what I did choose is to be authentic, right? Because I've seen people, there's older men going through their whole life, right? No wife or no husband or no nobody, right? Because they're trying to like hold it back and you're dying miserably. You've had a miserable existence, right? Luther or man, right, people like I think like okay. our, yeah, we, we so like people like Luther Vandross, right? Maybe if he was out today, he could be like Sam Smith out in the back, right? Whitney Houston, but okay, well, let's let's not name okay. Whitney Houston. Wait, what? But you're right. Remember her and Robin. I'm a Whitney so fan, right? My thing is, um, and so I just think that the, the really the, the only choice you have is to whether you're going to be out or not, because trust me, Marco and I have have knowledge of plenty of men who might have been married for a while that try to come on to us or this people or, that show. or we're not doing that on, on yeah on well you show. know what they want to hear it i mean situations where a lot of men because they are yeah. so caught up right and and back in my day before marco you know yeah i did deal with a couple of married dudes right and and really? and even some of the women yeah really and even some of the women you know were even knowing that their dudes were doing this right but dude they had a nice house he had a nice job he looked good blah blah they had their kids and they were willing to stay with that but i do right but then we also get into the thing where and i'll see mom shaking her head but we also get into the thing where i'm just trying to figure out you the side dude right but then we also get into this thing where i'm at age i'm 43 now and i got way too many 40 plus black women friends who ain't got no man and want to have kids and are now you know and then I'm not even going, that's going to go into my Kevin Samuels bit, but that's the whole thing where they looking for this, this, and that, and that's a whole other conversation. But so some of them will ignore that just so they don't have to be those women. Mm. Right? Mm. Because at the end of the day, they, you know, they got their kids and they, man, yeah, he might dip a little, but here you are out here buying a dog. No, I'm not rolling with that one. No. All right. Well, no. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm just speaking facts. I know I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but I I'm got you. Always, you may not be wrong that. Either, by the but, dog. Yeah, you, but, but we also know, and not to go into right, this one, but right, we right. also know black women are one of the largest groups of women that are dying alone.